Alrighty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It is Location Weekly. It is episode number 538. We are recording live on October the 12th. Um, Abriana, how are you? I'm doing good. Doing well. Um, you know, starting to get fall here in New York. Uh, you know, we're in October baseball. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, things are good. I, I can't, I can't complain too much, but, um, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Yes. It was a, a good Thanksgiving, uh, up here in Canada this past weekend and, uh, way too much food as is expected, I guess, with Thanksgivings and Christmases and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was nice, uh, to see some family and kind of just get together and, you know, all the all the things that come with that so it was good yeah and you know october baseball has been interesting even though my blue jays and yankees and all these people are out now it's uh i guess your braves are still there so that's good right yeah that's yeah, good they're yeah. still there and you know those pesky red Sox advanced last night so <laughs> um yeah so anyways it's um yeah it's, it's still fun to watch right and and hockey and basketball and all of that is is getting going again so there's certainly lots, lots of sports to, uh, to entertain us. So we have a good show for you this week. Four stories. Uh, you know, it was great to have Karsten last week with us and he's back in Germany now and, uh, starting up, uh, you know, the trade show circuit and things like that, that are easing back into uh, existence. Uh, so I know he's got an event this week, but, uh, so we wish him, uh, and everybody over there. Well, um, so yeah, we'll jump into our stories. The first one, Abriana, as usual, will kick us off with uh, kind of something interesting, I think. Yeah, I think this is pretty interesting. Home Depot is partnering up with another big giant, Walmart, to deliver their goods. This, this is, you know, a little surprising for me, I must say, but... Um, Walmart's going to be, you know, extending their Go Local platform. They launched this, um, you know, a few months ago. And so this is like their first client is, is Home Depot of all people, right? Uh, Walmart is, is going to be providing that last mile delivery for them. Um, and so, you know, paint, tools, online purchases straight to uh, the consumer. So same day, next day service is what they're going to be providing. Um, you know, it's, it is limited to home improvement purchases that would be able to fit into the car. They're not going to be, you know, giving uh, cuts of, of wood or, you know, pipes and things like that likely, but more, you know, paintbrushes and nails and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, they, they're hoping, Walmart's been hoping to attract other customers from obviously larger enterprise level and national level to, you know, smaller local level. Um, for these last mile deliveries, sort of like a, you know, like an Instacart or um, Uber Eats type of a play here. And these deliveries are, you know, it's part of the, the gig economy. So you've got those drivers that have joined through Walmart's delivery platform, which is called Spark Driver. Um, and they're starting this out right now in select stores in New Mexico, Texas, and Arkansas over the next few weeks. And then they're going to expand um, to other markets across the country before the end of the year. So obviously this is a new revenue stream for Walmart. It makes, makes a lot of sense. I think it helps Home Depot in the short term because, you know, they, Home Depot, it's tough. Like it's tough to get stuff sometimes, even though you have Home Depots like locally everywhere, you know, very often, um, you know, a lot of times they're out of what you need and, you know, just 
moving recently and having to order things online from Home Depot, I know that it takes, it took like two weeks to get some paint. I mean, you know, in, in such like an immediate need type of a, a commerce, you know, right now and consumers wanting things right away, or at least in the next two days, that's kind of a long wait. So I think that they really do need help in this area. It's a little surprising that they're not trying to do this on their own because I think Walmart is really the winner in this partnership. Um, obviously, they have a huge footprint. Um, you know, they've got, uh, let's see, how many stores? 4,700 stores. Um, so about 90% of Americans live within 10 miles of a Walmart store. Um, I'm not one of them now. Can you believe it? There's not a Walmart store near New York City. I got to go to Jersey. Anyways, I think that the risk though here is on Home Depot because Obviously, Home Depot still has a ton of stores, 2,300 stores, um, but their e-commerce year over year uh, in 2020 grew 86%. I mean, that's that's some massive growth and they just can't keep up. So they're depending on another party. But what is Walmart getting? Walmart's getting consumer purchase data, behavior data. You know, they're as they look to span and, and then grow beyond this retail that they, they have and look at their you know, advertising services, health clinics, you know, their fintech startups, all these things. I think they're the true winner because one, they're creating an additional revenue stream, but um, all the additional data that they're capturing from these types of deliveries and, you know, delivering other things, I think positions them even better to compete with like an Amazon, right? Um, so I don't know. I, I find that the winner of this partnership is definitely Walmart. Um, and consumers who need Home Depot goods quicker, but long term, my my, I think there's some risk on Home Depot. Thoughts? Yeah, like for, first of all, when I read the story, like you, I was surprised to see these two big retailers, you know, working together in this way. Like number one, that Home Depot, you know, like we've talked about Home Depot using Uber or other delivery services, you know, to deliver Christmas trees or other things in the past. Um, so I'm surprised to see you know, sort of this this partnership with Walmart. And, you know, I, I think as you alluded to, you know, they've got the 4,700 stores, 90% of Americans live within 10 miles of a Walmart. So there is that sort of last mile close to the con consumer aspect, you know, that they, they're able to leverage, which I think is, is if from a Walmart perspective, I think is really good. You know, it kind of, the thought running through my head as I was listening to you speak is going back a few years ago, we saw sort of this movement by large retailers, Walmart, Home Depot, many others, um, around creating their own payments networks um, to kind of disrupt the, you know, the high fees that they were paying with credit cards and so on and so forth. So we saw the creation of the Merchant Customer Exchange, the MCX network. There was another one called Current C. You know, all of those kind of came together, you know, were a lot of media around them, a lot of kind of promotion and kind of like, hey, we'll close, we'll create our own kind of payment network and reduce the fees that we're all paying because we control it and, you know, we're not beholden to the banks and the credit card companies. And, you know, that was an experiment that failed. Um, it didn't really go anywhere um, in the long run because it's not, you know, their core business, right? And what we're seeing here, I think, is Walmart and many retailers now saying, you know, we need to look for revenue outside of our core business, which is selling goods in our stores to customers or online. Um, so whether that's, you know, delivery and logistics or, you know, other things that we have some 
you know, internal expertise in that we can open up, you know, to others, you know, maybe there's a play here. You know, I, I, my personal feeling on this is I don't think this is going to, you know, sort of be something that's going to last a long time. It's going to follow the same sort of path of, you know, the attempts by the retail industry around payments. Um, you know, and ultimately MCX was shut down literally, I think, nine or 10 months after it started. You know, I think JP Morgan or somebody, some bank bought the whatever IP or tech that they created. And, and that was the end of it. So, um, you know, that that's kind of what I expect here because there are companies that are really good at this stuff. You know, Uber and Lyft and, you know, uh, many, many others that are out there now. And I think that, you know, if you really want to do this and you want to do it well, um, you know, there are companies you can turn to that have, you know, specialized in just that. And I think ultimately they will be the winners, you know, in that field as they already are in some respects. And I think this is, you know, an interesting experiment, but personally, I don't see it as having a lot of legs. That's kind of my, my take on it. And do you think, though, that the recent testing that Walmart's done a lot with like drone delivery and all of that is going to change things at all? Or do you, because there's not a clear winner there yet, right? Like yeah. that's still TBD. So maybe that's kind of where they're going and where their head's at. I don't yeah, know. But, but, but I mean, we've talked a lot on the show about, you know, UPS and FedEx and these guys all doing drone delivery services and all kinds of other things that they're testing with companies like Kroger and Walmart and others too. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, you know, I think, the logistics companies, the players in that space, you know, will ultimately be the ones that 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 excel, right, and win. Short of you know some of the smaller ones potentially being acquired or something like that and rolled into a big you know a big retailer or powering a, a retailer network, that's a different play. But when they're trying to do it on their own and trying to bring other retailers together, to me, it's you know I, I see the same sort of storyline developing here as as I saw with MCX. So. It is, it is a little, it is a little like, hmm, I wonder why this has never happened it, that, you know, you've got two Atlanta based companies and UPS and Home Depot, like why have they not partnered up on this, right? Why have they not taken yeah. advantage of that connection? And, and who knows like what the, the reasoning is, but you know, it, it kind of shows like who's actually trying to innovate and who's just relying on what they've always done in the same way. And uh, yeah, people need to, to wake up and, and not, you know, not Kodak out here. Yeah. All right. So moving on to our second story, sticking with retail, uh, we'll go over across the pond to Europe to, uh, to the Dutch uh, supermarket chain, Albert Heijn. Uh, and these guys are kind of like taking a, a similar page out of Walmart here, trying to find new revenue streams. And in this case, what they're trying to do is make money out of their customers uh, through their app platform and through their e-commerce platform. Uh, by selling uh, advertising space to brands whose whose products they carry in their stores, um, you know, but doing it in a sort of Google AdWords type of framework. This story to me is really interesting because I've been talking for years now about retailers, you know, being able to monetize, you know, their their media, like their their space, essentially, whether that's in physically inside the store. You know, I've talked in the past about you know, uh, leveraging beacon networks and things like that, that were built to understand who's in there and I mean, pushing messages and having brands pay for that um, and bidding, outbidding each other in a Google AdWords type of model. That's one way to do it in, inside the store, but these guys are doing it, you know, in a digital, in the e-commerce side of things, with their website and their app. 
Um, and I think it, I think it's actually quite smart, um, you know, because they own that real estate, they own those eyeballs and those customers already, and they're, you know, it, it, there's it's quite a captive audience. And so I think if you can, you know, look at it and say, hey, hey, we're a supermarket chain, and we have, you know, Coke and Pepsi that we carry in in the store, and you know, we can create an opportunity, you know, on our own media channel for. Coke to you know bid higher for you know that ad placement or you know um, than Pepsi, then why wouldn't we do that, right? It, it's kind of like their own closed Google AdWords network within their own retail environment. And again, I've been promoting this for a long time, um, so I'm really excited to see that you know retailers are starting to go there. We've talked a little bit. I think CVS was experimenting uh, as well with their own sort of media offering. Um, and starting to, to kind of go in this direction as well in, in the US. And so, I, you know, what I see here is this, unlike the Walmart story where we're trying to kind of get into a space where there are lots of established players, this is a different, this is a different animal for me because this is something that you own, you control, it's within your own sandbox. Uh, you're just taking sort of the concept of Google AdWords and applying it to your own media on products that you already sell and, and with brands you already work with and have relationships with. And so I think this is a great way to find, you know, additional revenue. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see where that one goes. And yeah, and, and I know like other retailers are really starting to look at this type of data play uh, around their own, their own media and their own offerings and their own, you know, sort of customer segments. So what are your thoughts? You know, this story reminds me of something that um, I built and we tested years ago when I was still at Digital Envoy. So we had built this offers network and probably a little <laughs> a little less intricate than uh, Google AdWords, but it was an offers network that was basically allow, you know, utilizing location, but also allowing uh, retailers to take advantage of their digital real estate, right? So you have that, you own that, it's yours, take advantage of those eyeballs not only for deals that you know are going to draw consumers into your physical store or to purchase through your app or your store but also you know to monetize things that would not be competitive so you know your you know a supermarket perhaps you are you know showing um, nearby offers for uh, something that would be like you know salon care or whatever um, so allowing allowing the the retailers to actually choose like what they display and to who and providing that context and it was um you know it was like just a you know an alpha that we ran and didn't really pursue it for a long time I think there were some concerns around privacy but I think that this works in the fact that the retailer is the one who's actually building the technology and they own it but I do think it's something they could white label and allow other retailers to use and embed and bake into their apps and their um, their websites. So I think this is good. Like this is a, it's a good play. And it's also, you know, in a world where we are seeing the third party data availability continue to go down, this is, you know, a way that that retailers can still take advantage of that and provide that, that context and data and information and pass it through to those SKUs that are in their store, like you said, like the Pepsis and the Coca-Colas. So um, I like this story, I think it's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely has some uh, some opportunity there uh, that they can leverage, so cool. All right, so let's go to another giant. Um, Apple is upping their game on the Find My iPhone, Find My Phone features. 
Um, I use this often, you know, trying to find something that I've lost right now. I'm missing one earbud, you know, that's like the AirPod, like one AirPod and I just can't, you know, can't seem to find it. Wish I could track it. Battery's dead. We're done. But some progress is being made, right? iOS 15 is letting you track your phone, even when it's switched off or reset how you ask well. Um, it's going to keep emitting this Bluetooth blip like an air tag, and it will just continue to do that. This anonymous encrypted blip, it's picked up by any Apple device that's passing by. It's uploaded to the company servers, um, and then it's, you know, those location kind of blips or kind of breadcrumbs, if you will, um, live there until you need it. So the, um, you know, the Apple servers are, are saving it. They'll pass it on to you and only you, you know, when you log on to your account to see if you need it. Um, but the AirTags last for a year or more on a single coin cell. So um, iPhone's battery should, you know, make sure that that is good for a really long time, which is crazy. Um, and it would keep working even if the iPhone was erased. So maybe people will finally stop stealing iPhones. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, separation alerts will also let you know if you forgot something. So you can tag certain things and say like, oh, hey, you're leaving this location without your phone um, or your watch. And they're still focused on privacy. Obviously, you can disable location in the settings still. You can have, um, you know, you can disable location when, when the battery is getting really low. And right now the warnings don't work with AirPods, but they're supposedly like rolling out new features. And so when they're finished adding new features, that's going to be added in as well. And I have to say, I have like a personal story about the AirTags, um, about just like how crazy and well they work, surprisingly. But uh, my husband was was traveling back from, from Idaho and he had bought, you know, something like large and expensive, but he couldn't put it on the plane. It was one of those like segue things, right? So you can't put it on the plane. It's got to lift the battery. So it needed to ship and, you know, so he took it to FedEx, UPS, whatever, pays to ship it. And he's like, man, I don't think that AirTag is working. It's still in the same place, you know, and I, and I shipped it like two weeks ago, like something happened. It's just not there. Sure enough, finally sees it start to move, calls the shipping company and they had had it like sitting in their office space for like two weeks, never, never put it on a truck, which is incredible. But it was amazing because he said, you know, once it actually started moving, he could see it like almost like turn by turn directions, um, how, how good it was. So it was really, really cool to see that that's what's happening. And imagine, you know, right now, I think we're so limited when we lose our phone, right? You know, you're like, oh, it could be in this huge radius. But now I think we're getting more fine tuned, more granular. And the fact that this would work, even if the phone battery dies, is like really, really great. So um, I'm excited about this because I lose things and I like to find things. So <laughs> it's good. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add to this. I, I think it's 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 really, you know, really useful tech, right? I mean, I think this is, you know, we have all experienced this from time to time where you've misplaced your phone or your keys or your something. Um, and, um, you know, and I think the challenge is, is that it's one thing if, you know, th the thing is powered on and you can kind of make it ring or whatever that you do. Um, but you know, the fact that this works even when it's, it's dead or it's shut off is, uh, I think the, the real, you know, power in what they built here. And I, 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 I to me, this is super useful, right? I think that's, 
that's a common thing that, you know, you've lost it and then it's just died and, and now where is it, right? And you can't ring it because it's not on. It doesn't have any power. And um, so being able to locate something that way, I think, makes a ton of sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I think people, you know, are legitimately going to question, you know, how it works and the privacy aspects of it. And, you know, but I, at the end of the day, you know, it's an anonymous encrypted signal that's being sent and held, um, you know, as you said, for a year, um, you know, and, and there's probably going to be a time when you need it. So, you know, I like I'm always in the camp of with anything to do with location data is if you can build something that is useful and has real utility and value to the consumer, they, they should be okay with that, um, right? Because you're, you're doing something that they want. You're giving them something that they want. And so, you know, I think it's when people are using location data in a way that um, they're just exploiting it and they're, you know, running ads on it or monetizing it without delivering something that's directly, you know, valuable to that consumer. That's when, you know, we, we absolutely should be questioning it. So, um, so I, I think this is this is great. It's a it's a solid uh, solid piece. So, all right, our final story then uh, is um, a company, well, two companies actually. A company called Playfair Group has teamed up uh, with a company called Audiences Unlimited, and for 22 years now, uh, they have been uh, doing something called Jukebox Saturday Nights. And I just read this story, and I'm like. You know, it's not true location tech, but it's location-based marketing or experiences. And I thought, like, it's just cool. It's interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about it this week. And so, basically, what they do is they go into seniors' residences, um, which uh, so audiences unlimited is a not-for-profit that works in the space, and they do these jukebox Saturday nights. They bring in a mobile jukebox machine. And, uh, you know, it's 100% free uh, to any of the, you know, the facilities or the homes that they're going into. It's a free play mobile wheelchair accessible jukebox machine. And they go into these, uh, these care facilities and they give the people a fun time, right? And uh, I just think it's amazing, right? So um, they've done this in different areas. Uh, they've got different soundtracks. They, they sort of team it up with other events like ice cream socials or dance parties on the front lawns or, you know, whatever the case might be. And I just think, you know, to me, this is, you know, sort of just a great use of tech and great use of, uh, of um, you know, just um, mobile environments and, and music. And, you know, when I read the story, I was like, first of all, it's amazing. And this is like, we need more of this. Uh, but, you know, I started thinking about some of our kind of more traditional members that are in the sort of entertainment music sort of side of things, you know, companies like Mood Media that we talked about recently or, or those types of organizations. And I'm like, I'm wondering if, if there's something there, right, that they could be sort of getting involved in this type of mobile experiential, you know, entertainment, right? Um, you know, maybe it's as part of their, of their charitable work that they do or their social good work. But, you know, I just, you know, I, I think anytime I see stories like this where you're taking tech and you're bringing it uh, into an environment where um, there's just so much need and there's just so much opportunity to create, you know, a great experience, a great feeling, um, you know, and, and what that means in terms of your brand and what it can do for your brand. I think is uh, needs to be applauded. So I just I just wanted to highlight the story. I thought it was it was pretty cool um, to to see that uh, that they're doing this. What are your thoughts? 
No, I think this is great. It definitely is like a feel good story. And I do think that it's so important to be investing in, you know, our senior citizens and, um, you know, making like those types of efforts uh, in our community. But I do think that there's a, uh, a monetization around this as well, right? You've got lots of like birthday parties happening outside and, you know, lots of opportunities to have this type of a, um, you know, like bring things to you again, that convenience factor. So um, I think that it's great when you see technology working and, and giving back, but I also think that there's even more, you know, even more so there is um, additional like promise to do this uh, and expand this at, you know, a larger level. So it's a good story. Yeah. So that's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, some really interesting brand retail stories there. A mixture of, uh, you know, sort of entertainment and, uh, you know, new revenue opportunities that are going on and, um, you know, and, and some interesting tech for, you know, us absent-minded people that misplace things. So, yeah. So that's our show. You've been listening to episode number 538. Um, and we thank you for your time. Uh, please reach out to us if you have story ideas or feedback. Uh, and, of course, we'll be back next week with another show maybe a guest, who knows? Um, you'll have to tune in to find out. So uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Um, talk to you soon. Bye.